I just want to say, hey, welcome to Global Impact Sunday. This is the Sunday, this is the day that we celebrate who we are and why we actually exist as a local body of Christ. And we're going to talk about that all the way through the rest of the morning, but I have a treat for you. You like treats? You good for up for a treat? I want to introduce to you um, a man named Dale, who many years ago fell in love with a beautiful young woman named Karen. This couple fell in love with each other, but not just in love with each other, they fell in love with the advancement of the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, God had a call on their life for them to go out into full-time missional service um, for him. And today, we celebrate partnering with them as a church and them as, as our missionaries for 41 years. And they've been doing an awesome job. Keep your hands together. Let's welcome Dale and Karen Marshfield to the platform right now, okay? Come on up. We are so excited to have you here and to celebrate all that God has been doing in you and, and through you and kind of get an update as to where you are um, today. So, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, you all right? <laughs> Good. Good deal. Um, hey, to, to get started, so they've been at this a long time, and we're going to hear a little bit about their call to ministry and how God's working in them and using them now, but I have a letter in my hand here. Um, we did some, I did some research because I wanted to know, like, you know, how did you get started with us at First Baptist Church? So this letter is dated November the 7th, 1981. Now, that was a really good year. What? You just, you weren't even born yet. Yeah, you weren't even, <laughs> you were born in 81? Anyway, that was a great year. That's the year I met Robin. So, that for me, uh, isn't that, that was nice. Ah, oh, you guys, I was going for that. Um, but this letter, dated November the 7th, 1981, was a letter requesting to Pastor Gillette, those of you who know who Pastor Gillette is, um, requesting support for your ministry as you guys were getting ready to get, you were new in it. They were with Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. ABWE is kind of how we used to know it in the back of the day. And they were going as church planters in South Africa. And we are just so thankful that all the way back then, um, we were able to partner with you and God led you to First Baptist and First Baptist took you on for support. And all these years we've been um, partnering with you in a lot of different ways as you've been serving the Lord. But we got a lot of young people um, sitting in here, and just all of us are young people, right? Anyone say that? Thank you. That would be a good spot for an amen right there, yeah. So, um, but, and we don't know what, what the future holds for any of us, right? I mean, so God could tap any of us on the shoulder at any time and say, you know what? I want you to do something different. I want you to, I'm calling you up to vocational ministry um, for me. So, because you guys came to know the Lord and you found each other, but you felt a definite call to vocational ministry, specifically to South Africa, to plant churches. Can you tell us about that? Tell us how all that worked and how it all came together for you. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Karen can say anything she wants. <laughs> well, neither of us grew up in a Christian home. Uh, we were both saved about our junior year of of high school, and so didn't know a whole lot about the Christian world, the evangelical Christian world. Uh, I actually asked a girl out on a date, and like here at church, first time I wrote to Pastor Gillette for support, he said no. Well, I asked this girl on a date, and she said no. But uh, then she said, come to my youth group. So I thought, great, it's a cheap date. 
And uh, so I went to the youth group and that's where I heard the gospel. And I kept going for probably about six months before God just crushed my heart, made me aware of the fact that I was lost and that I needed the salvation Christ alone could provide. And uh, then God dropped me into a good church for about six months before I went off to university. But in those six months, I really came to understand my call. And what I realized is that it's the call of every Christian. And, And it's very much like your mission. Love God, love each other, love others, love God, love others, make disciples, and lay down your life for the sake of other people. I mean, those are clear commands of Jesus. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Before he went back to glory, he commissioned the church to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. And then in Ephesians 4, such a, Ephesians 5, such a clear passage, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved you and gave himself for you. Give your life for the sake of others. And that, that sense of what it means to be a Christian, what the DNA of Christian experience really gripped my heart. I went off to a state university in New York State, landed in a, a, by the providence of God in a really great campus ministry. And within a week of being on that campus, had the uh, first experience in my life of seeing someone come to know Christ through my witness. And uh, God just did an amazing work that year in that campus through that group. A lot of people came to know Christ. Some of them are still lifelong friends of mine. And by the end of that year, um, like I said, I didn't know anything about the Christian stuff. I was learning the Bible and, and excited about witnessing for Christ. I said to a more mature Christian, I said, wow, this is so exciting what we've been doing here. I wish I could just give my whole life to it. And he said, well, you know, you can. I said, no, I didn't realize that. You mean you could do this for like a living or something? And he said, yeah, but you got to train. You're going to have to learn a few things. You you really will have to learn a few things. And uh, go to Bible college and maybe a little bit more. And so we went off to Bible college. And what I realized is that, that when we talk about calling, we're all called. We're all called to love God, love others, to make disciples, and to lay down our lives for the sake of other people. But then, amazingly, uh, the Spirit of God puts it in the heart of some. And, and I, I see this in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. If anyone desires the office of an overseer, what we call a pastor, he desires a good thing. God doesn't lead anybody to serve him in a vocational way that doesn't want to. That's a good thing. You've got to passionately want to serve God. And that's the work of the Spirit of God. And, and for both of us, uh, we reached a point early in our Christian life said, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to give our lives to. And so we followed that. Uh, Karen uh, went to a missions conference. Do you want to tell the story? No. <laughs> I'll tell the story. Went to a missions <laughs> conference as a new believer and heard about the fact that she could become a missionary. This was long before I met her. And said, why wouldn't everybody want to do that? Why wouldn't everyone want to go? So God puts that desire in the heart of some to do full-time, let's say, what he calls all of us to do mm. as a part of the DNA of our Christian experience. Wow. Mm. Is God still doing that? Do you think, you think missions is done, or do you think God's still touching people and still calling their hearts to yeah. vocational ministry? A friend of mine used to like to go to the mission field and say, help is on the way, but it might not be coming from the USA. 
uh, yeah, God is still doing this. I mean, God is raising up people for this advance of the gospel globally from all over the world. And, and we ought to rejoice about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, even maybe when I started my ministry 40 years ago, uh, we thought, oh, we need to send people from the West to reach these nations. Well, the nations are now sending people to the nations. Uh, India has more unreached people groups than anywhere in the world. That's where I spend a lot of my time every year, training pastors. And it has more unreached people groups than by far any other nation. But you know what the key to reaching those Indian unreached people groups is? The Indian church mobilizing the church in India because they are passionate. I work with people whose whole life is about reaching unreached villages. And uh, they go in there, they reach these villages, and then they ask me to come and train people so the pastor in that newly planted church can have some training theologically. So yes, God is still laying his hand on the hearts of people globally for this work of missions. I have the second job. I'm a tent-making missionary, (laughs) and I have a second job with Liberty University. I teach for them in their graduate program, and every semester, every eight weeks, 40 to 50 percent of my students are 40, 50, 60-year-olds, people who have, have said, I've kind of finished my first career, now I want to learn and get ready for a second career. I've got a lady in my church, this term, cancer survivor, 60 years old, who is training, just did a great job on an introductory course on the Apostle Paul because she wants to give the rest of her life to this ministry. So yeah, God is still putting that desire. And if it's in your heart, don't ignore it. Uh, If you feel like, I would love to give my life to that, give your life to that. You say that one more time. Yeah. If you, <laughs> you, know. you hearing this? Because I believe, I, I sat in a service just like this when I was 16 years old, and I heard a testimony of missionaries and what they were doing on the field. And the missionary actually looked out and said, somebody, somebody out here might be getting called right now. And I knew that that was me. And on that day, I went forward at the end of the service and just said, I, I, I believe he just called me today to go into vocational. I didn't know what it was gonna be at the time, but I said, I'm, I'm willing to go and I'm willing to do it. There was definitely this knock on my heart that happened that day, and maybe it's happening in you right now as you think about this, because God still needs full-time vocational people, I love what you said, to do what everyone is called to do. Well, you guys went and you were obedient to the Lord, and was it 24 years you spent in South Africa? 26 years. 26 years planting churches in South Africa. Um, when, when did things change, and what are you doing now? How is God working in you guys now? Uh, yeah, the, um, we love South Africa, and Karen will tell you if she wanted to speak. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to really get it in the car on the way to Toledo. <laughs> the, um, she would tell you that the hardest thing she ever did was leave South Africa after 26 years. Um, all of our, I mean, we raised our kids there. When they came back to America, they were more South African than they were American. Um, and all of our adult friends were there. Our ministry was there. And so um, it was harder to leave South Africa to come back here than it was initially for two 20-year-olds who didn't know anything and were so excited, you know, to go to Africa in the first place. But uh, we, we did uh, get to a place where we felt the ministry needs in South Africa were among a people, groups uh, whose languages we didn't speak. 
And so we kind of thought, all right, what do we do now? And about that time, the president of our mission asked me to oversee our international theological uh, education ministries, which meant coming back to the States, which we did. Worked at that for about seven years and then really felt a desire to get back engaged on the field. And so we joined a small group whose mission is to train Christian leaders who do not have access to theological education. So I'm in India three or four times a year. I just got back last Sunday. I'll head off to Cameroon next week. And our whole vision is to take people who are already pastoring and leading churches, but who cannot for economic, social, or educational reasons get into a Bible college. India has a lot of Bible colleges, but the people we train can't get into them. And so we take the training to them and uh, we run uh, what we call cohorts. We gather, I won't let, when I first started this, we'd have 200 people in a class. And I said, you can't teach 200 people at the level they need to be taught. So I said to our partners, we're going to only have 35. You find the best 35 influencers out there, people that can influence other people's lives. And we put them into a cohort. They, we study with them for five years and uh, then we move on to another area. And we've got five of those going on. And at this point in my life, I'm transitioning the teaching to people that we have trained. Uh, they have good theological background, but they needed to be trained how to teach. And they're doing great with that. So we're excited about that. Kind of sounds biblical, mm. you know, reproducing yourself, training faithful men to train mm. faithful men and to keep that going. And um, I'm so glad to hear about that aspect mm. of the ministry. Okay, so um, I want to say this about our congregation, because you guys don't really know the congregation like I know the congregation, um, but I believe they're hungry mm. for involvement. They're hungry for engagement in the, the world, literally, um, for the sake of the gospel. And so in the world we're living in now, which is crazy, mm. what advice would you give to us? If you had like a shot at all of us, what would you want to say to us? <laughs> hmm. Well, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, concerns. Uh, number one, uh, one of my great concerns is biblical illiteracy. Uh, we need, you can't serve God if you don't know his word. Look, we're not sucking this stuff out of our thumb. We are simply communicating what God has already revealed in his word. And that means we have to be people of the book. And that means we have to be dedicated to studying it. And that it has to have a higher, uh, we have to give it preeminence over our traditions, over our denominations, over our backgrounds. Uh, it's rare to have such an openness to the spirit of God as we open the scriptures to let them speak to us. But that's what the world needs today. There's been too much nonsense out there. There's too much nonsense. Mm -hmm. Multiply it by 100 on the mission field, the nonsense that's out there. Uh, most of the people that I'm training have been exposed to so many ridiculous ideas. And uh, so, you know, we're doing a lot of deconstruction as well as constructing. But, but number one, we have to commit ourselves to understanding God as he has revealed himself in his word. That has to be our passion. Uh, I think that, that engagement, look, uh, the opportunities have never been greater for you to have some kind of firsthand experience in missions. And I believe in it. When, when we were in South Africa, we committed a lot of time to short-term missionary trips. We didn't see them as a burden. We didn't say, oh, these people are coming from America and again, we're going to have to wipe their noses. It wasn't like that at all. First of all, 
our people love them. The South Africans love them. They engage them. It was hugely helpful to their spiritual life to have people come that could uh, challenge them spiritually. But secondly, uh, that was often the first step for some of our best career missionaries to come out and spend time in the field. And so uh, send, send your people. Uh, we, we have a really great opportunity. I'm an elder in my church in the Harrisburg area, York actually area, and they partner with us. So they own one of my cohorts. Uh, about five years ago, they made the decision they want to sponsor a cohort. And so they pay for it. And then they send one of our pastors, elders, or leaders. Every time I'm teaching that cohort, one of them comes with me and teaches with me. And it's been hugely impactful for our church. Uh, Every May, I take a group from our church, a very diverse group, out and they work in an orphanage that my church supports out there that one of our partners runs. That's hugely impactful. Uh, This last year, uh, our group had some people a little bit younger than me, four of us, and four really young people. Two of them just saved. Tattoos everywhere, piercings everywhere, loving Jesus. You know, they're just fresh into the kingdom of God, and, and they wanted to go serve the Lord. And, and uh, what a great opportunity, not only for them, but for the, the people that we were working with in India to see, hey, what God is doing in the lives of people in America. So send people to the field. Find partners that can engage with you at that level. That is really critical. Send your best, Acts 13, right? Separate, bait, separate me unto me Barnabas and Saul. They had to be the two strongest teachers in the church. Send me your pastor. <laughs> really, I'll take him for a week to do some teaching. Send him and uh, pick up the tab for him and everything else that's required. That, that's hugely important. I, I, I've had my senior pastor with me in India. I've had our senior associate with me in India. I've had my campus pastor with me twice in India. I've had fellow elders with me in India. And if you don't think that influences the spirit of the church, it's hugely impactful. So send your people, send your best, and let them get firsthand experience uh, in, in these places. Anything you'd like to add? <laughs> okay. Well, we, um, we're very proud of you guys. We really are. And, and you've done um, a great thing over the years in, in, in doing ministry that we can't do kind of, we get to partner with you to get that done. I just want to say to you, one of the things you received on your way in today, I hope you did anyway, was an FBC missionary list card, just like this. This has all of our missionary partnerships um, on it. And um, we love QR codes around here, don't we? And so here's a QR code that you can click on. It'll take you to our website, or you can just go to our website And it will actually give you a description of all of our missionaries, what they're doing, how we're supporting them, and how you can know more about them so that you can pray. Because prayer is a huge thing uh, for our missionaries. They rely on that. In fact, you you said, Karen, and she she did speak in the first service, and (laughs) you told us a little story about um, someone coming to the Lord, and um, it it was a very impactful story for me. Just tell it. Yeah, just go ahead and tell it. And, And talk about the partnership and everything. Um, we were singing the song, Speak Jesus, and it just came to my mind about the opportunities that God gives you when you're in another place to do that. <clears throat> and there are many, and it's the best part of um, being a missionary, that he does the work, but by his grace, he lets you have a little part in speaking. And um, we had a man come in through the doors of our house because we didn't have a church building then, And Dale met with him in his office, and after he was gone, I said to Dale, 
Um, so what's going on with him? He said, well, he's in jail, but now he's out on bail for a while. The trial's going to be soon because he um, is accused of murdering his mother. I said, okay. And um, he said, so he's going to be meeting with me for um, a little while. So he continued to come. And while he was in prison, one of the men in our church spoke Jesus to him. And he truly came to know the Lord. And he was um, just totally overwhelmed with um, learn, beginning to learn who this God was that had saved him. So he was coming to Dale, and Dale began to teach him about God, basics, God's sovereignty, God's love, God's um, forgiveness, God's mercy, and on and on it goes. And then one day he told Dale, I did um, arrange to have my mother killed. And um, I'm going to, at the trial tomorrow, I'm going to confess that I am guilty. And so he did. But after that, his family wasn't pleased with that decision. And they took, um, somehow Elvis's life was taken. And he never got, he died. He never got to, um, you know, go on, right, to trial. But I'm just so grateful that he's with God because someone cared and someone was there. And I'm grateful that you all had a part in that because your support of us made it possible to be in that place. And we, we do really believe that uh, when pastor says 41 years, that is no small thing. I mean, I didn't do the math financially, but the number of prayers. And I had people come up after the first sermon and say, we've been praying for you that whole time. And that's remarkable how the, the forces of darkness have been beaten back in, in my life, in Karen's life, and in our kids' life by prayers rising from Elkhart. And that happens. That's real. That's very real. And so we are so grateful for the 41-year partnership that we have had with this church. And, and we want to just uh, do what they do in India. In India, in South India especially, it is very common uh, to honor those and who have have had a significant role in your life and who who you esteem highly and so kind of vicariously we want to honor pastor phil because of his leadership in this church but also in honoring him we want to honor all of you i wish i could do this for you all because you've all been a part of this but but please accept these uh, this honor from us as it would be done in india good so far (laughs) remember this is all i knew too this is all i knew too yes and and you have to wear it next week when you preach okay (laughs) i don't think i've quite got this right but there we go and i always think of these as prayer shawls they're not because they're done they're done by the entire Indian, South Indian community, but I always know that when they're put on my shoulders by my Indian partners, they're praying for me. And then, of course, a crown, because you're a Raja. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Hey, come on down here. Come on down here. I could get used to this. Maybe I will preach in it next week. I'll just go from there. 
We love you guys, and we really are proud of you, and, um, and thank you for your faithfulness and for living it out in front of us all these years. And um, why don't you guys stand with me, and let's just pray over them and pray a blessing over them as they continue in the work. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, and Lord Jesus, we thank you for the salvation that is ours because of you. Um, and we're grateful for the calling that you have on all of our lives, the day that you called us out of sin and out of darkness and out of the world, and you enlightened our minds and our hearts to the truth of the gospel, and we accepted it, and we came to a place of repentance. I hope that you'll, Lord, um, implant and cement in all of our hearts the, the understanding and the desire to go for you and to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples. I thank you for Dale and Karen and for the many years that they have given to you, the sacrifices that they have made um, of their time, of their talent, of their, their finances, of their family. Um, I pray you'll bless them as they continue in this work and especially with Dale um, building into these young pastors and and those that need to know how to correctly handle um, and divide your word. And I just pray that you will strengthen them in their ministry now, that you'll use them in some way more powerfully now on the backside of their ministry than you have done in all the 43 years prior. And continue to use them and bless them, help them not to get weary in their ministry and doing good and, um, and strengthen their hearts and keep using them to call many um, to vocational ministry. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, let's thank them one more time, shall we, for all their ministry. Thank you. All right, go ahead. Can I, can I yes, is, go ahead and have a seat? And um, we're going to talk through. all of the gear. Thank you. We're going to work into um, the rest of our time in what our impact is and will be and potentially can be um, in the future. But, in, but um, right now, I want you to draw your attention to the screens and watch this video on going out into the world. In the Bible, there's a guy named Abraham, and the very first thing God says to him is go. Leave everything you've ever known. Go to an unknown and uncharted place, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Go, Abraham. And then there's Moses. God meets him in the desert and speaks to him and says, Go, Moses, go to the place you came from, to the people where you once were. Go, because I am sending you. Go and help my people find freedom and redemption. Go, Moses. And then there's Jeremiah, the prophet. He's young. He's inexperienced, he's afraid, and God says, go, Jeremiah, I'm with you. And then there's Elijah, Esther, Ezekiel, Ruth, and many others who heard the call of God to go, and they went. And then the final words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, go. I've heard it said that you can be comfortable or courageous, but you can't be both. That's true for Abraham, true for Moses, true for Jeremiah, true for you, and true for me. See, in the Bible, there are comforting words like forgiveness, freedom, and redemption, and adoption. 
But in the Bible, there are also commanding words like repent, believe, follow, and go. Maybe that's the words you need to hear today, to go. Go across the room, across the hall, go across the street, go across the campus, go across the city, the nation, go across the world, go. It's important for us to remember that this isn't just a command to go, this is an opportunity, an opportunity to bless and to bring hope and to be salt and to shine light in dark places and to give to others what was first given to us. You see, we don't just go because that's what good Christians do. We go because 2000 years ago, God looked down on a broken and hopeless and hurting world and he looked on with compassion. And then he looked at his son, his one and only son, the one and only person who could do anything about it. And he looked at him and he said, go. And he did. And he lived, and he died, and he rose, and now he reigns. And now we go because he did it first. He moved from heaven to earth so that we could move from comfort to courage. And so that's my prayer for you. Not just that you would move to a new city with a new zip code, but that you would move from comfort to courage. That we would all move from complacency to urgency. My prayer for you is that the most beautiful thing in the world to you would not be cars, clothes, and careers, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, to know him and to make him known. And my prayer for you is that today, you would put your yes on the table and you would leave it there to go wherever and whenever God leads you to go. And so I can't promise that it'll always be exciting. Can't promise it'll always be easy. Can't promise it'll always make sense, but I can promise you this, it will always be worth it. Those are the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus give us the great commission is what the Bible calls, and these are his words. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what we have all been called to. I love how you emphasize that all of us, Dale, have, have been called to this. This isn't just for the elite Christian. This isn't just for the, the best, the brightest of the best, as you put it. This is for every single one of us have been given a command. If we're in the body of Christ, we're part of the family of God. That means we're brothers and sisters who have a common cause, and that is to obey the mandate that Jesus gave to us. That's what drives our mission at the church. Our mission is to that we exist to equip believers to love God, to love people, and so that we can influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's based off the great commandment that Jesus gave to us in Matthew 22, verse 37, where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is why we exist. We exist to accomplish these three things, love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we can't do it by ourselves. 
We can't accomplish the great commission or the great commandment all by ourselves. We have got to do it together and work together and harness the strength of all in all of us if we're truly to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ the way that he wants to. I want you to understand something about our church here. At FBC, and I think we have it on the screen, we put an emphasis not on the quantity of disciples that we have here, but on the quality of discipleship. Do you understand what we mean by that? We're not concerned about how many people are coming to church, how much money we have in the, in the savings account. We don't think about all those things as much as we think about this. Are we equipping you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are we equipping you to love each other and to love all of those outside the body of Christ, sacrificially loving them the way Christ loved us? And if we do so, and if we're doing a good job at those things, what will result is a quantity of disciples. Here's what I mean by that. If we're growing, truly growing, the way God wants us to in love for him and love for others, then we will have a go mentality. We will leave comfort and we'll be committed to courage. We will leave complacency and we will go out in the strength of the Holy Spirit to share the, Jesus, the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus with everybody that we can. And if God's people are growing in their love for him and their love for each other, we will see as a result a quantity of disciples because we will be making disciples for Jesus Christ and the church will grow. And hopefully we will then equip them. We have more people to equip and we'll equip them to love God, love people, and go out and share the gospel to go out and do what we have been called to do and the church will continue to grow. I believe that you are hungry in this department and we actually believe, you're, the, the leadership of, of this church, the elders and the deacons, we believe that you are growing in these things. And the reason that we, one of the marks of that is that we're actually seeing an increase of disciples. We're seeing people get saved. We actually had some people get saved last week at the end of the service. You do know that church isn't about you inviting people to church to get saved. You agree with me? This, is, this means, I, we agree, or this means, no, we don't agree. Then I know how to explain it better. If, because we, we exist, the reason we gather is to equip believers. But do you know what's happening? Unbelievers are being drawn to what's going on here. Unbelievers are coming and people are getting saved. They're sitting under the word and they're getting saved. Some of them are your friends that you've invited to church. But what the, the true, the, the go in the gospel for us is to go out and share the gospel with people on our own and then bring them in to be, to be discipled. We're actually seeing that happen um, and we're experiencing God's favor and we're experiencing an increase in the advancement of the kingdom during these days in which we're living and we're growing, and that's a good thing, right? Right? That's a good thing, but it causes some issues. Some of the issues are, not so much this service, but if you guys come to the first service, the first service is really full, and we're telling them, there's some really awesome people in the second service. <laughs> You'll like them. They're more lively than you guys are. I, t I tell them that. You know, the second service is more lively than you guys, and you, you guys kind of are, um, it's, but maybe it's because you're a little more awake or something, I don't know. But um, we're, having some, we're having some space issues in every area, in our, in our services, and we're trying to get creative um, in how we can take care of those issues as they come. It's creating parking issues. It's creating um, children's ministry. 
We're having record numbers of children in our ministry in um, Sunday morning and on Sunday night and in their youth department. Yeah, praise, I mean, praise the Lord for that. that that's an awesome thing. Um, well, what it's doing is it's creating some space issues that we have and we, we need, we're starting to fill up and we need to kind of grow. And we're asking the Lord, what do you want us to do? By the way, if, you, if you've been uh, feeling like maybe the Lord's calling you to work in the children's department, now's a really good time. Now's a good time to raise your hand and volunteer because we need some extra help. We do. When you have a record number of children, you need to have a record number of volunteers. And so if, you, if you've been thinking about that, now's a really good time um, to jump in and to help. So what we have been doing, I just want to let you in on some things that have been happening in the background um, and behind the scenes. We have been partnering and working with a company called Visioneering. This is a company that comes in and consults with the church and helps us kind of dream on the ministry to do two things because the number one thing is to take care of our ministry needs first. We gotta make sure that the, the mothership is healthy so that we can continue to fund and get involved in other ministries outside of us. And so we need to take care of that and we need to, to, to meet our ministry needs as well as continue with our outreach focus to our community and to the world. And so um, we've been working with this company They've been coming in, and we've been examining um, our ministry spaces, and they've come in to help us dream on um, how we can utilize this building that we have, add to it, and actually develop our property in order to achieve those two goals, take care of our ministry needs and continue helping us with our, our desire to reach out into our community and get more visible in the, in the community and get the community onto our campus. So um, we've been working on that and I just want to say this too, that Elkhart Christian Academy is a ministry of First Baptist Church. That might be news to you, but there is a Christian school called Elkhart Christian Academy out on Prairie Street in 22 over in Elkhart. And that's been our ministry, and it's a ministry for 50 years it's been going, and they are busting at the seams. Actually, they're completely full, and we have waiting lists. I think the last I heard, we have 50 families waiting to get their kids into our school, and we just don't have any more space. So they're doing the same thing we are. They're experiencing the same stuff that we're experiencing, and so they're working with Visioneering also in order to talk about how can we enlarge our property and our, 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 our meeting spaces so that we can accommodate more children and help partner with families as they raise their children. And so um, let me give you, you wanna see a sneak peek? Yes. Okay, now just hear me now, okay? These are all preliminary discussions and drawings that we're working on. We have a lot of meetings to have. We have a lot of meetings with you to talk about these things. Um, there's a lot of stuff that needs to go on at the school also. So these are just some, some big ideas that we have, and you're going to be involved. A lot of you are going to get involved in some of our um, committees and, and, and ministry teams as we develop this um, into the future, and we're still asking God to just open the doors, but here's a sneak peek into it. Here's a picture, an overview of what we're thinking about the school. Now, the, the blue in there, that's, those are our existing buildings, and the red is what we are proposing um, that we might be able to do in order to enlarge our campus and accommodate more children into the school and grow the school beyond, I think it's 570 right now is where we are, or, Oh, 625, so I'm way behind. We have 625 students right now and from K through 12, and we're full. That's it, we're full. So we are, that will help us with the growth. You can see there's all kinds of, 
ideas they have um, to, um, to develop the property around it. You can see that, you know, where's the, where's the, uh, the soccer field? Well, it's all, it's, these are all conceptual things that we can do to enhance the ministry over the school. Here's an aerial view of um, some ideas for the church. As we remember, we're trying to, t- to work through handling our space in the auditorium, handling our space in children's ministry and youth ministry, and continue our um, commitment to the, to the community. So if you look at the blue, blue again, the blue is our um, existing building. You can see County Road 17 is over here on the right, and there's our entrance. You'll notice that there's a lot of changing in roads and stuff. Um, we're going to have to accommodate more cars and more parking, and so this takes care of that. Um, but the red is what's proposed to help with our children's ministry. Let's go to the main campus, okay, the main building. You see on the, do you know what the south side is, the bottom part of it, the south side? Um, that will pr- basically be taking care of a lot of our children's ministry and children's ministry expansion. If you go to the left, there's another building, a, a large square building over there in the orange or the red. Um, that will be taking care of our youth ministry. That'll be our youth, new youth center. That will also be a community center, a community building. It'll be multi-purpose. It'll have a gymnasium. It'll also have a gymnatorium type of thing and then meeting spaces and all of that and um, to help accommodate our needs in those departments, but also open it up to the community. There's all kinds of land development also going on. If you see at Bristol Street down here, and there's an interest coming in. The county of, of Elkhart County is, is telling us that our, if we do anything to develop our property, we will have to have our main interest come off of Bristol Street instead of on 17. So that'll be a new entrance. Um, and down, go ahead to the next slide, because here's a different concept um, so that you can kind of see a 3D um, version of that. You see the, on, the, on the main building, that circle there on the south side of the building, um, that will be our children's department and actually we'll, we'll have inside there, there's the, uh, the front of it right there. We're hoping that we can even have an indoor play park right there for our kids as we develop that whole children's ministry, which would be really awesome um, to have. Go, go, do we have one more slide? Yeah, there's, there's a slide of the student ministry uh, building and the community building. You see it's out there by the, by the pickleball courts. And um, we're hoping to be able to develop this. You know, why do we have pickleball courts? Because Phil and Robin love pickleball. (laughs) Not at all. It's so that we can get the community onto our campus and rub elbows with people like us who love Jesus and love them and can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You know that we've already baptized two people as a result of the pickleball ministry. You didn't know we had a pickleball ministry. We do. We have a pickleball ministry. You need to jump in and get involved. But the, listen, we want, we want pickleball ministry things happening all over this campus where people are coming onto the campus and experiencing Jesus, the love of Jesus, because they're experiencing God's people. And this helps us with all of that. Does this excite you um, a little bit about what God can do and what we might be doing? Again, I wanna just say to this to you that um, we have a lot of work to do on this, okay? We're in the preliminary phases of this and we have a lot of work to do in it. And you're gonna hear a lot more about this as we move forward. But I hope that you're getting excited like we are um, that we see God at work here in our midst. And we're, we're seeing an increase in his discipleship and the, and the disciples of Christ coming together for such a time as this. Who knows what God wants to do with us? That's all in the future, okay? 
So let's talk about right now with the time that we have left. Let's talk about the right now on this thing we call season of generosity. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about it, but you should have received a card like this. Go ahead and get this card out um, that talks about season of generosity. And I'm going to speak um, to it also, but before I do, let's just go in, because today's the launch of that. Let's just watch a little video, just kind of a recap of what God did through us last year in our season of generosity, and then I'll explain some more about this. If you wanted to describe last year's season of generosity, the phrase above and beyond would come to mind because every goal we sat, you guys blew it out of the water. We needed 383 volunteers to meet various needs in our local area. And in total, we ended up with 402 volunteers who dedicated their time to serve and create lasting impact in our community. Financially, our goal was set at $225,000 to advance local ministries and global mission efforts. But you guys generously gave a whopping $316,000. That's 91,000 over our goal. 154,000 of that total was sent to local communities and 162,000 was sent overseas to help with global missions. Because of your generosity, we were able to come together to meet the needs of our partnering organizations and to fulfill the mission of the church. Love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus. There's so much to celebrate and to be thankful for, but God's not done and neither are we. It's time to get excited about what God's gonna do through us in 2023. If you're ready, give me a whoop whoop. Let's get after it. <laughs> you guys are good. Let me hear that one more time. Yeah, way to go. That's awesome. Okay, let me explain what season of generosity is, especially if this would be your first season with us um, in the fall here at First Baptist. So many, many years ago, we thought it would be awesome. And, and let, let me just say this. You guys are amazing at giving to the Lord. You are generous in your giving to the Lord. And just like season, um, the officer appreciation, you don't even, you're not even prepared. We don't even tell you ahead of time. We just say, hey, we want to like do these gift baskets for the officers and we need $7,000. And you guys say, okay. And $7,100 comes in. I don't know how we get like right at it like that, but it's $7,100 came in. It's the way the Lord works with his people when his people are generous with what he has given to them. And you are generous in your giving to the Lord. Our tithes and our offerings that we take, and we, we, it's part of our worship experience, that goes to taking care of the physical plant, takes care of salaries, it takes care of our missionaries. Our missionaries that we, have, that we partner with on that list, we, it comes out of our regular budget. But years and years ago, we thought, wouldn't it be awesome if we just like gave over and above all of that into a, what we have now called the season of generosity, where we say, Lord, how do you wanna use me and um, both in giving over and above my regular giving to meet needs, ministry needs, and to use me physically, to use my talents and my skill in order to volunteer and to serve. And so we have local ministry partnerships that, we, that are right here in Elkhart and the surrounding area in Bristol. And then we also have global ministry partners like over like, like the Marshfields. And so what we do is we reach out to them, our, our partners, and say, Season of generosity is coming. Are there some special projects you would like us to get involved and help with that we could possibly partner with you on? They send in their requests, and we basically try to, to accommodate all their requests. Now, some of them we can't. We had one ministry partner say, yeah, awesome. We need a million dollars to finish our program or finish our... We 
couldn't do the million, but we've helped in other ways with them. Um, but within reason, you know, and, and, and this year they all came in and we pretty much looked at them and said, God, is this what you want? And so what we have before you is a list of, of ministry opportunities for us to get involved with, with this year's season of generosity. So what we do um, is we have these, go ahead and look at your card. We have these ministries, the local partnerships and the global partnerships that are represented in the amount that we're asking you to um, get involved with this year. Um, again, we love QR codes. Here's another QR code that you can click on and it will take you right to our page. In fact, I think they're gonna illustrate that for me here, that if you click on the code, it'll take you to our website. Yes, there it is. And you can scroll down and there's all, there's an explanation of each one of these that's listed on here, how much that we're helping them with financially and what they, and what it's gonna go to and what it's gonna take care of for them and, and then how you can volunteer um, in getting involved with them. So this year's goal, are you ready for it? This year's goal is $276,500. That's the financial goal. And the volunteer goal is we're gonna need 358 volunteers to get involved to help meet the needs of our local and global partnerships. So how does this work? Well, here's how it works. You can go online, you can look it over. I want you to pray about how God wants to use you and your family in this year's season of generosity. Go online, you can, you can sign up for a, a place to volunteer. Um, you're gonna need to do some of that right now because there are some ministries already getting started and they're gonna need our people, they're gonna need you. And so um, you can sign up to get involved in whatever area God lays on your heart to get involved and then you can give towards the financial goal. But some of you have asked, how do we do that? Well, you can go online and there's an actual season of generosity tab that you can click if you're online giving. Um, you can give in your normal way of giving through a check, just, just indicate on their season of generosity and it will go to that. Um, you can give now, or you can wait and give along the way, or you can wait until December 17th. Se December 17th is Celebration Sunday of Season of Generosity, where it all comes to an end there, because we wanna get the money um, to our partnerships before the end of the year so that they can be working on that. So you can give anywhere along, along the way. Um, you ready? You wanna do it? You excited about this? You excited about giving towards this and, and getting involved? I hope that you are. There's some really cool ways. To, in fact, one of our men after the service, he came up and um, he's in his 70s and he said, man, I wish I was younger. He was responding to you. Man, I wish I was younger and I could just give my life to the Lord uh, vocationally. I said, dude, there's no, there's no age limit here. You can give your heart to the Lord and, and, and go right now. He goes, but you do what I know what I do want to do. I want to be part of the group. There's actually on here, we're going to make available, um, the church is going to sponsor some, some people to go over to Chile. And as we partner with Robin and um, Alejandro Armijo to help build their church. And they've asked us to put together, I can't remember, I think it's 15 people need, we need to sign up to say, I'll go spend a week or two down in Chile and the church is going to pay to get them down there. And he goes, I want in on that. Great, so you can sign up for that. But I hope that you're getting excited about that and I just wanna ask you to pray right now about what part God wants to, how he wants to use you and your family um, this year for our Season of Generosity campaign. You good?
That was a lot in one service, right? A lot, <laughs> a lot of stuff. If you have any questions about any of it, just, just call the church. We'll help you through um, whatever questions you might have. I want to end with this, okay, because we're done. Um, Israel is in trouble. And Israel is at war as we speak. Um, What's interesting about Israel is that they have just under 10 10 million people um, that live in Israel. But they are surrounded in in the nations around them by 419 million Muslims. And Iran alone has 87 million people who have at the core of their religious belief and have as a desire in their hearts to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. That's what's going on right now. That's what Hamas is all about. Horrible things are happening and we stand in shock and awe, horrified by the images that are coming out of Israel and Gaza right now. And we stand, right? We, we, we stand like, how, what are they gonna do? How are they gonna do this? How are they gonna make it? They're like a minority in the region. Well, do you know how they're gonna make it? Because God loves them and God's on their side. And he is, they are still God's chosen people. What's happening over there, I want you to hear this loud and clear. What's happening over there is biblical. What's happening over there is prophetic. It's pathetic. I'm not being funny with that, but it's prophetic. It shouldn't surprise us as Christians if we're in the word at what we're observing over there. Can I read you from Zechariah? Can I read you the words of the prophet Zechariah? You're not going to like it. Let me just put it that to you that way. But Zechariah says this. Watch, he says, for the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. This is the word to God's people, Israel. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken. The houses will be looted and the women will be raped. What we're witnessing right now is not what Zechariah is prophesying. That's getting ready to come. What we're witnessing right now is the beginnings of what one day will be an all-out attack on Jerusalem that, that Zechariah is describing. If you remember Jesus' words that we, when we were in Matthew 24, Jesus said this, there will be wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you aren't alarmed or troubled by this, for these things must come to pass because they've been prophesied to come. But the end is not yet, Jesus said. And so what we're witnessing right now in Israel is horrible, but it is, it is biblical prophecy, and it teaches us, unfortunately, that things are going to get much worse for Israel. And I hate to say that, but in Zechariah 13, verse 8, this is what he says. Two-thirds of the people in the land are going to be cut off and will die, says the Lord. 
but one third will be left in the land and I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure and I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them and I will say, these are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God. That is so heartbreaking to me to hear those words. But this is what it will take to get God's people to turn back to their God, the people of Israel. This is what is coming. There's a day when Jesus is going to touch down his foot. He's gonna return and we're gonna be with him. And he's gonna touch his foot on the Mount of Olives and he's going to establish once and for all his kingdom and take again his people Israel to himself. So the question is, what do we do about it, okay? We, we've talked this morning about what might happen in the future, how what we might be involved with in the future in ministry and how we're gonna build this kingdom through what's going on here. We talked about what's coming up right now in season of generosity and how we can get involved and how God will use us. But what do we do right now in the middle of this crisis, this global crisis that is happening? Well, we do what we're called to do. According to the commission and command of Jesus, and that is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as we love ourselves, and sacrificially give of ourselves to meet the needs of people, which is included in sharing the gospel with everybody we can because we know the days are short. And the time is coming to an end when, can, when you can freely come to Christ openly, and the gospel is openly available. But we also need to use the tool that God has given to us that is the most powerful tool that we have outside the word of God, and that is to pray. In Psalm 122, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we need to pray. That's what we need to do. Knowing that God has promised to bless those who bless Israel, we need to get on Israel's side. And we need to pray for them. And we need to do everything we can to stand with them. This season of generosity thing that we're doing, this campaign, we finalized all the card and all the ministries that we're doing. We finalized all that before this war happened. I can guarantee you that if we knew about the war before we started putting things together, there would be a piece in this season of generosity that's help Israel. Now, we need to be wise in this because there are all kinds of charlatans out there that want to take advantage of a crisis like this and take your money and enrich themselves on the on the the horrible thing that's going on over there so you have to be incredibly wise but i want to say to you get involved if god lays it on your heart to give to efforts in israel and you know some really good solid ministries give towards that and help them especially if it's helping a church we need to pray for the church over there we need to pray for the believers in Israel because they need to rise up and they need to be the church right now like never before in the midst of their own heartache and loss, possibly. But we need to get involved in any way we can. We can add this, vote wisely. Lobby diligently. If you have a platform for that, do it. Pray for those who are out there, our solid Christian brothers and sisters that are out there influencing the things of the world, especially as it relates to Israel. But more than anything, pray. 
pray for them and get involved any way you can. I think we're gonna, our deacons and elders are probably gonna meet and we're gonna come before you and say, here's a way that we can get involved and, and maybe we'll put a piece in our season of generosity to help financially, to help Israel. I don't know, we're gonna work on that. But until then, we do what we do best. We, do it, we, we use the tool God has given us, the most powerful tool we have, and that is to pray knowing that we may not know how to pray. We may not know, like, I don't even know how to pray about this, Lord, because there are some wicked people. I'd like to pray for some nasty things to happen to. Is that even appropriate? It doesn't matter if you know exactly how to pray. The Bible says that he understands if you are weak in your prayers and you don't know what to pray, pray anyway, because the Spirit will pray on your behalf according to the will of the Father for us, and he will intercede for us. You just open your heart and you pray to the Lord. And continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's stand together and let me pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your name because it is by your name and by your power at work within us that we are able to share hope with the poor and to care for the wounds of the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to those who are gripped and entrenched in their sins. It is your name, Lord Jesus, that we speak and yours alone because there's no other name higher and there's no other name greater than yours. There's no other name that winds and waves obey except yours. And, and Father, there is no other name that demons tremble before. And right now, your, need, your name needs to go powerfully and be spoken from the mountaintops and spoken from the housetops and spoken into our cities and over our families, over our nation, over the nations of the world to bring deliverance to all people. We lift your name, Jesus, now, and we lift your name forever. Come on, you guys, let's sing his name one more time. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. Jesus, your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your
All right, two things as you go. Right now, um, listen, if your heart has been challenged and you're feeling a little tugged that God might be calling you, I don't care if you're 90 years old, if God's calling you to full-time vocational ministry, I wanna talk to you. You just come on down here and give us an opportunity to, to talk with you. Also, Dale and Karen are gonna be down here in the front. If you'd like to come and just share some love with them and get to know them a little bit better, you just come on down here and... Um, Let's go out rejoicing in all the things that the Lord is doing in our lives and all that he's going to do through us. Share some love with Jesus on your way out. God bless you.